0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's our extra special, really big anniversary show with a big pipe guy. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And this is, this one's gonna break the record books. Why? Because your host for this week's show is not me. No, it's Doctor of Pipes, Governor of the Doctor of Pipes, the Big Pipe Guy himself, Rich Esserman, Rich... You know, you threatened me with taking over the show, and I said, all right, here we go. So, welcome, and uh, what have you got for us? What, what are we going to have in pipe parts this week?
1: Oh, uh, a whole bunch of stuff about uh, maybe speaking a little bit about some past friends and high-grade pipes and things of that nature and uh, a few other things. I'm not sure what kind of rant I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out. Believe me, I'll be in that mood when I'm at the end of this show.
0: And after pipe parts, who is your guest for this week?
1: Oh boy. Yeah. Well, somebody twisted my arm and it's gonna be Doctor of Pipes Brian Levine.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unbelievable, but you know, I was forced into doing it, so that's that's a guest. I don't know if you know the guy, but he's a he's a pretty nice guy. I like him.
0: Well, he is a legend in his own mind. Um and then you've got uh, music, a special mailbag picked out for us, and some sort of rant, right?
1: Yep, yep. I uh, Yeah, some sort of rant, all right.
0: All right. Well, this should be interesting. I have not been given any information on this in advance, except I told Rich the format, and he knows the format because he listens to the show every week and sometimes <laughs> twice a week, Right. 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 All right, so everybody uh, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl, and uh, here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Corn Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. We are back on the pipes magazine radio show and this time when i mean we i mean we and um, i'm only doing this just to keep you on track there uh, rich but uh all right pipe parts what have you got for us
1: well uh, a lot there are a lot of different things you can talk about with pipes as you know i uh, write about pipes every couple months and i've been writing about pipes for about 40 years and, you know, I listened to the show last week. I really enjoyed your talking about with Jody Davis, how he figures out a shape. And then I also like your introduction about, you know, when when you need a new pipe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's very practical what you were talking about. But, but one of the questions uh, that I've dealt with with different people in the past, many people come up, I talk to many people, email a lot of people, is that when and if should you get a high-grade pipe, Ooh. which is always which is always a question, and I'll get into what I mean by a high-grade pipe in a minute and so on and so forth. But, you know, what really got me started in pipes, I mean, I, I had smoked a pipe since I went to college, 1971 to, you know, 1975, middle of 75, and messed around, and I had, uh, you know, the usual – Black Cavendish with uh, whatever it is. And, you know, I had the uh, no-name Italian pipes and the other no-name pipes. And then I got a Lorenzo pipe, which is big at that time, and an Paul shape, which is very popular, you know. So I was just messing around. I always wanted to smoke a pipe, but, you know, it was on and off thing and, and so on. So, you know, one day when after my father for graduation gift gave me a used... Uh, Duster, Plymouth Duster, the old Plymouth Duster. I <laughs> um, actually went out to some of the malls in Syracuse, and I went to like a, a tinderbox and other places. And I, I, they, they, a lot of these places carry very high grades for the day pipes. And I, I just saw these. They had three 7 le pipes, and I saw um, a, an autograph zero, a number six, and a number five sandblast. I wanted that zero badly. But unfortunately, uh, it was $270, which was as good as a million dollars. I bought the Sandblast. And I got a can a tin of of uh, tobacco, Sobrani White, which Steve Fallon, if you could get a hold of that, could sell for hundreds of dollars now. He gave to me for free. And uh, I went back. And I was very, you know, concerned because of this weird-smelling tobacco I lit it up changed my life forever in a day. <laughs> um, so, you know, I got involved after that, you know, with collecting and smoking high-grade pipes. I decided to want to do it, and uh, you know, I met a lot of people. And uh, I want to mention my old, uh, my old friend who just passed away this summer. I call him my brother. He called me his big brother, even though he was older than me, Chuck Rio. Yeah. And um, Chuck was not a guy who ever made a lot of money in his life. Um, Circumstances made him had to quit college, support his mother and father, keep the home up, and so on and so forth. But Chuck, you know, he was known, and a lot of people know his name, and maybe they would have written about him or other people know. He collected Costellas. Yeah. But originally he collected um, caminetto pipes, the old Escorti Radici caminetto pipes, and then he got into Costellos. And uh, at the time, Costellos were very, very, very hard to find, impossible to find. And um, but he he went after them with a passion. And uh, you know this is when you can look now on eBay and you can look on other sites, smoking pipes, whatever it is, just to name a few. And you could see probably more Costellos in an hour, and especially uh, definitely smooth ones, than you could ever see in the '70s in your lifetime. <laughs> so I, I like to give that as a perspective because people don't really, you know, a lot of younger folks who I talk to don't don't have that perspective at all. Why should they? You know, they're growing up at an age where where you, where you can see things instantly and so on and so forth. Anyway. You know, Chuck Rio uh, was a very generous guy, and uh, he he used to have a friend who, who, uh, he's passed away as well, but I won't mention his name anyway. He was um, an Italian, uh, they call him a hardhead, (laughs) and he had a opinion. he had 150 pipes, and every pipe, no matter what it was, they all smoked the same, a high grade, didn't smoke any better than a, whatever it is. And one day, so he, he was friends with Chuck, so one day Chuck gave him a Costello to smoke He said, smoke this pipe. If you like it, you know, you want to buy it from me, you can. Well, the guy smoked the pipe that night. And you know that after that, he never said another word about all pipes smoke the same. (laughs) Now, I'm not promoting Costello per se. It's a a brand that I like. But I'm just showing you that that there is a difference in the smoking quality of a high-grade pipe from from a, from uh, perhaps a lower grade, and there's a whole bunch of reasons which I'm not going to get into because we don't have enough time. But just just the thought of of, of that, I think is important because if you've never experienced smoking a high grade, and I know a lot of people. Look, pipes are very personal. It's not like um, it's not like something that you buy a pair of shoes or something like that that you put on and wear every day. You put it in your mouth, you smoke it creates a certain amount of pleasure and so on and so forth. And the the thing is, is that people, you know, they always have to feel, well, whatever I'm doing is as good as what everybody else is doing, which may or may not be true. It doesn't matter. But the thing is, is that if you're, if you're, if you're, if you want to get a high grade pipe, if you're thinking about getting a high grade pipe, you know, then It may be time to try one. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, obviously people are constrained by budgets, Mm -hmm. money, which is critical. And there are a lot of pipes in the lower range that can produce a good smoke. You know, they may not be as aesthetically uh, beautiful. They may not have a handmade stem and so on and so forth. But that's all right. So the issue is, if you're happy with what you're doing, you know, and you want to stay at whatever you're doing, that's fine. But if you're thinking about maybe moving into a high-grade pipe, you know, there, there are all kinds of ranges. But the first thing, that I, as I mentioned before, the reason why, let's say, Chuck smoked and got his Costello collection, and I started to smoke high grades, because we really felt that many of the high grades that we bought were a great smoking pipe. That's like, I used to say to a fellow, "Well, if you go every di- every week and you buy a steak at the local diner," I said, "That's one thing. But if you go to say to to a great steakhouse, whatever steakhouse that is, you'll find there's a little different experience with your with the meat. The meat's a much better quality. It's going to taste different, and so on and so forth." So, so the issue is if you if you say to yourself, gee, I'm interested in maybe moving up now." The, what, what's the definition of a high-grade has always fluctuated. Yeah. But I would say right now, the the average guy who buys a pipe, who, who buys a nice pipe, you can buy it. I just saw um, Peterson, for instance, Christmas pipes. And they were about 130 bucks and down. If you want to get a pipe, I would say the cutoff is about 150 When you start moving up, you, you move up into, let's say, the range of 200 250 dollars. There's some interesting pipes available, and you know, the key is also you can get pipes from a reputable uh, uh, seller. You know, get a get a pre-smoked pipe, mm-hmm. and because it's pre-smoked, doesn't mean it's terrible. It could be it could could have some tobacco, maybe you don't like in it, but but a lot of times it's it's your gateway. It's your gateway into into the into the higher end pipes you know so like for instance i like costello sea rocks and i have a bunch of them and they're nice they're rough finish which i like i'm not interested i don't like i don't like pipes that have my own self pipes that have fills in it so even at the lower end i'd rather buy a rough carved pipe that has no fills than a smooth pipe that has fills because aesthetically as you smoke it the coloration the fills stay one color always and the briar may change color. And I, I just don't like it. It doesn't hurt the quality of the pipe necessarily unless the fills are, you know, inside the bowl or something like that. But but that's that's what I say. So you can move into you can move into that maybe the two hundred to three hundred and fifty dollar range if you want to. Now I bring up Chuck Rio again because, you know, as I say, Chuck was never a wealthy man. But you know, he, he basically set aside his money and he, and he bought pipes. So what I say to people, like I was talking to a guy the other day and um, I said, you know, instead of buying that 75 or or $100 pipe, because he's looking at some higher quality, I said, why don't you put it in your pocket? Don't buy any pipes. And then a month and a half from now or two months, and you're thinking about buying another $75 or $100 pipe it's in your pocket. After three, four months, or whatever the time frame is, hey, you have enough money to buy a high grade. And then the question is, what do you buy? So, you know, there's so many many things on, uh, like you can see photos of pipes on Instagram, you can read what people are writing about on Facebook and so on. And you get a sense maybe of what's interesting to you, but also visually, you could just start looking on eBay. You don't have to buy anything. You can just start looking on eBay. You can go to smoking pipes. You you, you can go to all things, pipes of smoke. I mean, I'm just naming a few, not that I'm representing them. But you can take a look to see what appeals to you. Because visually, if a pipe doesn't appeal to you, even though it could be the greatest smoking pipe that ever was, you're not going to pick it up and smoke it. So if you really want to get a high-grade pipe or thinking about a high-grade pipe, and you want to start in the lower range, I think what I just mentioned was something that you should think about. You know, if you're uncomfortable, people say, well, how do I know it's going to smoke good? You know, know, it's a risk that you have to take. And if you're not ready to take that risk or you're unwilling or don't want to do it, then the idea is don't. Don't do it. But if one day you wake up and you say, you know, I really would like to try a Costello or I'd like to try whatever it is this is the this is your opportunity to move into high grades and I, I i think many people that have moved into high grades that i've helped mentor over the years uh, generally they don't start going back they they stay in that range or they they even get they go upwards so that's my thought about about you know pipes and high grades and so on and so forth and i hope that you uh found it helpful and interesting
0: and then when you buy your first high grade, you'll realize, well, maybe I don't need all these other uh, medium grade that I have. And you can sell those off to fund your second high grade.
1: That, that's correct, Brian. You know, that's a very good point because because you can sell, you know, you can use your pipes, for instance, some places take them as trade and some some pipe dealers might accept them for sale um, and if they're in good condition. And it's a really a nice way I mean look at I've been doing that for for 40 some 45 years where I, I just did I just did a big deal with someone a dealer came across some great pipes and there are pipes you know that you loved at one point and now they have no emotional meaning whatsoever and when a pipe doesn't have any emotional meaning to you you don't want to pick it up and so to me that's like that's like a, a lead weight You know, I mean, it's a great, it's a pipe. But to me, a pipe is only important if it produces a great smoke and I'm going to smoke it. If it isn't that way, then forget about it. You know, that's a key for me. Some people, though, I I met somebody who has a great collection. And a lot of the pipes are unsmoked. I said, why? Well, I just like looking at them and I have pipes that I like to smoke. And that's okay too, but I'm saying for the average guy, like me or you or whoever it is, who buys a pipe to smoke, you know, think about think about a high grade and check it out.
0: Yep, that is a uh, perfect uh, perfect summation of why to buy a high grade. And we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, um, I guess I'll be the guest. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs>
2: This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli.
0: we are back on the pipes magazine radio show with your guest host rich esserman go ahead rich fire away
1: fire away boy like i say i'm the hostess with the mostest (laughs) i'm putting on my best radio voice although i don't have a radio voice like brian i don't know the modulation per se and all this stuff (laughs) <laughs> and my wife to give Brandon a compliment, which I don't know if I should at the beginning. Uh-oh. My wife was listening to one of the shows, and she says, "Well, that guy has a terrific voice." And he goes, "He you knows how to modulate and everything." I said, "What?" And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you do. You have a great voice. So anyway, but um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting thing. You know, I've I've known you for a while, and, and you've been a doctor of pipes now for quite a while. And uh, you know it's 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 always it's always fun. I know that we, buck in the Zoom calls, every week or so, and uh, you know it's that's actually pretty interesting. Uh, but you know the thing is, um, I, I know you posted on Facebook that the, the Disney store that you were working at now for a little while, uh, closed. Yeah. But I know you've had a long association with Disney, and I and I'm wondering, can you just talk about that for a minute i know uh uh to me it's interesting to find out
0: yeah so i i grew up um i mean i guess really my my dad worked a couple of uh i guess what what would have been called gig jobs at disneyland when he was in the in the music business and there was a couple of times where i went with him and just hung out at disneyland as like a seven eight year old you know that was you know, hanging out with dad while he was working um, and, and growing up in Los Angeles we, we always had a choice of going to Disneyland or Universal Studios or Knott's Berry Farm or Six Flags I always wanted to go to Disneyland uh, and then in, uh, in 1986 I decided that instead of just going there you know what why not see if I can get a job there And I got a job there and worked there for, yeah, as a, as a part-time job for four, a little bit over four years. Uh, and then I went through a bit of a Disney detox, uh, because when you're in it for that long and, you know, you, and, and you can't, you know, I, I just had to detox from the Disney culture, um, Mm -hmm. But then you, and then we started having kids and you know, the Disney movies and stuff like that are important. Yeah. It's a great thing. You, the, the beauty of all the Disney animated movies is they're not just for kids. They are for every age.
1: That, that's yeah. uh, that's good because I, I, of course, I enjoy Disney uh, movies and animation and so on and so forth. So, what was the best part of your of your job? What did you like about it when you were there the best? What what would you like about it?
0: So, when you when you work at Disneyland or you work at the Disney store here in the local mall, uh, it's not a place that people need to go. It's not like working at the pharmacy or the corner deli or any, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Walmart or any place like that where sometimes a lot of people are just there because they need to go in and do it and get the hell out. These are places that, in the case of the parks, these are places that people save up all year long and look forward to going, and with the Disney store, the same thing. There, I used to tease people, this is not the department of need, this is the department of want, Mm-hmm. and people want to go there so it's an it's an environment where everybody's looking forward to it uh i you know it's very similar to a pipe show where you walk around a pipe show and 95 percent of the people that are at the pipe show want to be there and they look forward to being there And then you got the four or 5% that have to be there because it's part of their job or because they, Uh. you know, whatever, whatever the problem is. So it's the environment that you're in, uh, the guests want to be there. The people that work at the Disney store Uh, this past Disney store, we all got paid way less than the people that worked at the fast food place in the mall. And we got less hours than they got. So we weren't there for the money. We were there because we wanted to work there and be around this product and be around the other people that want to be there. So does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, no, I understand what you're really doing is that sort of, and you have a certain element of enjoyment in your job that really compensates for the, for, for mon- for maybe not making as much money as you could some other place. Yeah. It's job satisfaction, you know, and just satisfaction in general is, is, to me, very critical, very important in life. Yeah. If you can do both, that's great. That's why they say conductors of, of orchestras who have a great job, they live a long life because they love what they're doing and they enjoy what they're doing. So the thing that I know about you is that you have a uh, a related pipe collection. Yeah. Um, to relate it to Disney. Uh, tell me a little bit about them.
0: So the, the collection began because uh, when I started doing the pipe show circuit, when I was working for Peter Stokeby, uh, I wanted to have some nice pipes to smoke and, and I was starting to learn the value of high-grade pipes, like you just talked about. I was starting to learn the difference, uh, but I couldn't afford them. So I decided on a, on a lark, I saw that somebody there had a couple, it was at a Richmond pipe show in like 2002. Uh, Somebody had a couple of these pipes that were marked Walt Disney world on them and they looked decent. And I thought, well, you know what? I can't afford to get a good collection of really high grade pipes. I had a few at that point, but I couldn't get a really big collection. I said, maybe I'll start collecting these. And then I can start showing my collection of, of these pipes. And then it kind of, uh, it grew into its own animal where I expanded it to, and this is a key, this is a key part of the collection is that Mm -hmm. it's only product that was ever sold inside the parks. It has to be actual licensed product that was available for sale by anybody that walked in. And it's grown to, uh, tobacco. I just got, um, a couple weeks ago, I got a, um, a wolf pipe reamer in the box in it's little folding box with a couple of short pipe cleaners and a pipe, it's the reamer and cleaner. And the back sticker says Walt Disney world, $6. So I've got accessories. What? I mean, they had full service fully functioning pipe and tobacco shops on main street at Disneyland in California and at the magic kingdom in
1: Florida. Uh, wow. And, that's something else. So what was the original, what was the original range of, the, of these pipes when they were being sold and, and how much are they going for now?
0: Well, thanks to Chuck Stanion and that stupid magazine that's no longer huh. in print called pipes and tobaccos magazine. Um, before when so these were basket pipes, these were or house pipes the they're, they're not great quality pipes they're the kind of pipes that where if you buy a hundred of them two or three of them are gonna be absolutely great, and the others are gonna be average to poor uh they'd sell at the parks for you know eight ten twelve dollars, whatever the time frame was, and they were they were meant as souvenirs uh I started buying them for ten to twenty dollars each on eBay and at pipe shows. I had people walk up to me after a while and say, "Hey, I know you collect these. I found these in a lot. Here, have one." And I was like, you know, "Can I pay you? Can I give you ten bucks for it?" No, 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 no. I want you to have it. I want you to have it. Okay. The minute the article came out about the about the collection in Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. My pipe collection went from twelve. You know, I was buying for twenty to forty dollars for a really good one. I couldn't get one for less than a hundred dollars. Really? Because the prices went up dramatically, and I thought, well, all right, you know, this will taper off for a while. Uh, you know, after a while, it'll taper off and. I was able to still grow my collection because, you know, people would want me to have it for the collection and they'd find it and I'd buy it or, yeah, you know, they'd say, Hey, look, you know, just give me 50 bucks for it. I know I can get a hundred for it on eBay, but I want you to have it. And this is how much I got in it. I cleaned it, whatever. Yeah. So I managed to still grow my collection, but then I started doing the podcast in 2012 and I talked about the collection. I had the, I had the collection on a couple other, podcasts where we talked about it did a couple of videos of it and now the last ones that i've seen sell on ebay have been over the been in the 200 plus collect uh, price range oh
1: my gosh it's a lot of money
0: yeah i saw one that looked like it had been dragged behind a truck down the highway for 100 miles and it sold for about 250 dollars uh so the good news is i've got about 65 of them and if you average that to you know like 150 200 a piece i got a good chunk of money there that i didn't spend a lot of money to get the, the bad news is i can't afford to collect my own pipes anymore
1: well you know that's that's an interesting concept because uh which we'll get into in a little bit but it's like uh, certain tobaccos um yeah i had uh, some s- tobaccos that the the Price of the tin that I could get uh, uh, if I sold them was so astronomical that uh, it didn't make any sense to smoke smoke the tobacco. It'd yeah. be it just like really burning hundred dollar bills. So <laughs> I decided, uh, you know, I can live without it. There's a few tobaccos that I can live without. Get the money, maybe buy a nice pipe or two with these tobaccos. But uh, yeah, I understand completely. Hey, by the way, you know who made these pipes? Anybody
0: who is cheap at that moment. Uh, I've got pipes that I can verify came out of the Sheraton factory. Uh, I know uh, the Edwards Pipe Company in Florida made a lot of the pipes for them. Uh, I've got some Kamoys and GBD shape code numbers from the 70s. Uh, huh. And then I've got some that are marked Italy and some that aren't marked, and they're, you know, it was, it, it. sometimes it was whoever was cheapest that week.
1: That's that's interesting. So so you have a very nice collection. Unfortunately, it's like a good friend of mine used to say. He had a, he had a guitar, a $500 guitar, collected guitars. It sounded like a $5,000 guitar. Weird. But he said, you know, he could get the money, but then he'd have to sell the guitar uh so if you want to get your money out of it you have to sell your pipes and and who knows but uh, so so you you have this disney stuff but taking a a step back in time first what got you interested in smoking a pipe in general
0: i'll tell you what we'll do i'm gonna i'm gonna take over here because we're gonna take a break right here which is the perfect time slot for it then when we come back i'll answer whatever question you said you want so stay Uh, with us we'll be back in just a minute
1: look in your tobacco cellar, what do you see? Think of what you smoke,
0: what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like,
1: and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking
0: Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes in faithful service of the hobby. and we are back on the pipes magazine radio show it's me your normal host who is not hosting uh rich esserman doctor of pipes grand poobah the doctor of pipes is your host i am the victim all right host take over
1: oh man i could really ask you some questions here but i'll uh, i'll take it easy on you. <laughs> um the the uh, the question that i have for you if you took a, a step back in time uh what got you interested in, in pipe smoking
0: i love tobacco um i've probably loved tobacco way longer than i should have and mm-hmm. was not when i was first smoking i was not legal to smoke it right. well, i wasn't of legal smoking age and i never uh, you know uh, anyway um so i got in i i went to work at a uh, at a retailer in las vegas that became aware of me because of my cigar experience with the casinos. And at this retailer, they had, we had the basic pipes and pipe tobaccos. You know, we had like 12, 14 jars of stuff and some Dunhill blends and, you know, just the the basics. It was a cigar-focused cigar lounge, but we also had pipes and pipe tobacco. And, you know, so the, the guy that hired me said, Uh, pick out a pipe from one of these and, you know, you need to know how to smoke a pipe and you need to, you need to know how to, how to sell it. I said, okay, the only experience I, and this was 1996. The only experience I had with smoking a pipe was my great grandfather who died in 1986, smoked a pipe all of his life. And he lived to the ripe old age of 94. Uh, so as as his as my grandmother used to say yeah if my daddy had quit smoking that pipe he probably would have lived longer i said he lived in 94 he was yeah anyway uh, i don't know how much longer you yeah but in 1988 i had tried smoking a pipe at walt disney world or 1989 in january that didn't go well because i didn't i didn't have anybody to show me so i get these so i get into the pipes uh, just mainly as an educational thing for selling a pipe at a pipe shop and how to sell pipes uh, After doing that, then I went to work for and I, and I got more int- I got interested in the pipes and started learning I had a I had a pipe and yeah I'd dabble with the tobaccos in between the cigars and here's the, here's a key thing. The bulk tobaccos were free for us to try, and we had to pay cost plus ten percent for the cigars. So if I smoked a pipe, it was free. If I smoked a cigar, it cost me. Oh. I I was bar mitzvahed. Free is my favorite <laughs> brand. So I got in. I got more informed on pipes. And then I went to work for the Dunhill store that opened up in Las Vegas at the Forum Shops. And that's where my where my pipe interest really started to blossom because I'd met Richard Dunhill. He gave me a pipe. I really started to learn more and more about the pipes. And I really started to understand that I don't... Being... A, Being in your late 20s and working for a living and selling cigars to people that had a lot of money and were telling you how much they were overpaying for their car because they wanted to get the newest car fresh off the lot and they paid a sticker bonus. And meanwhile, you're trying to put food on the table for two kids and a wife and stuff. Uh, I really liked the pipe smokers a lot better. The conversations that I had with pipe smokers were real conversations. The conversations that you had with a cigar guy was more equivalent to measuring up how big your yardstick was against each other. Right. Uh, right. And then I, and then we, we moved back to Los Angeles and I went to work for Hulk O'Rourke, which was a company that was an importer and was, steeped in the pipe and tobacco importing, uh, heritage. I mean, we had, uh, at that point we had just lost Costello for the US, but we had Peterson, Kamoy's, GBD, Joby, Nording, Butch Shoken, Pioneer, Calabashes. Uh, we had Peter Stokeby and world tobacs, uh, pipe tobaccos. We had, uh, we were the ANC Peterson importer. And boy, do I wish I had some of that tobacco now!
1: Uh, oh, I can imagine. Hey, before we move on, because I yeah. want to, I want to talk about some other stuff. But this is really interesting, and we'll get back to where you worked, because um, that's a, that's an important component. What was it like meeting Richard Dundo? Uh
0: Richard was a very uh, well. First of all, he, he was. I thought he was making a mistake, but then I understood. That he always referred to it as Dunhills. Dunhill apostrophe S, the possessive. And he was a pipe guy. He was, he, we're standing in this store, he couldn't have given a hoot about all this fancy clothing and all this other stuff. But he was a pipe guy and he still enjoyed going into the pipe factory and doing the grading of the DRs and being involved in that process. Uh, but he was a pipe guy that was proud of his family's heritage. Uh, and I only spent maybe a couple hours with him, but yeah, it was, and yeah, he, he was very proud of his family's heritage. Uh, and then his, uh, granddaughter lived in Las Vegas. So he was, <laughs> he spent, he, he was very proud of her too.
1: Wow. That's, that's interesting. I tell you, you know, the thing going back, I mean, I've smoked downhill pipes, since about 1975 and uh, you know the question this is another week you get spend an hour talking about are they worth it aren't they worth it you know the whole bit but i i've always loved onhill pipes i have a collection of old and new and it's terrific and, and meeting richard probably added a little extra flavor to 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 the pipes so yeah. so you so you bought your pipes now you're you're getting it i'm gonna i want you to talk about your your collection from japan Mm -hmm. um but i want to but before i do that i I, so so you how did you progress in other words did you just say well i like this pipe i'm gonna buy it or i'm looking for this particular brand i'm gonna buy it or or what how did you how did it work out
0: Uh, so when i went to work for hulco they he the uh the general manager guy brad weinfeld who's been on the show before who i blame for my career in the pipe and tobacco world really (laughs) because you know he plucked me out of obscurity um although there is a little uh you know there's a little scratch your back stuff amongst us jewish folks and he saw my name and and remembered me because he had been in my store in las vegas and anyway uh he the first week i was there he said go on the back and go into this scratch and dent Boxes and pick out some pipes for yourself. Pick out like one or two of each brand that we have here. This is where the high grade conversation comes in because at that point I'm now able. At that yeah, I had a uh, I had a Dunhill, I had a Bjarne, and I had something else. I found a Costello in that uh-huh. scratch and dent bin, and it was just uh, there was actually two in there. They were Sea Rocks. I still have one of those because it is one of my absolute favorite smoking pipes. And I baby it a little bit now because I've had it for 23 years and it was in the scratch and dent bin. Uh, The scratch was cosmetic. Uh, But that was really when I really discovered, all right, there is a difference in taste in brands. There is a difference in, for me, Personally, there's a difference in taste of finish because I had a couple other Costellos in my life. And those of you that love Costellos and love the collection grades and the, you know, the great lines and all that, bless you. I think the Sea Rock tastes, this smokes way better than any of those. So I started to really learn what was going on in the pipe world and how those things work. And how those, you know, you know, what the different finishes did, different shapes. Uh, and I just, you know, started kind of focusing on that. Then there was a big push in the company to sell, uh, to sell cigars because we got bought by a Spanish, by the Spanish tobacco monopoly. And they were focused on cigars and I played the game properly, but then I would, you know, cheat and smoke my pipe when I was. Yeah, when when nobody was looking, I was a cigar sales rep that smoked a pipe, but we we had pipes. Um, and then the game really jumped up when Peter Stokeby said, "Look, we're opening our own U.S. office, and we want you to come and work for. We want you to come and work for us. We don't know the details yet." Uh, and let me tell you. Well, you you know this, Rich. When 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 I, walk into a, when I walked into a Richmond pipe show in 2000 for the first time and Peter Stokeby introduces takes me under his arm and introduces me to everyone there as you know, the guy that's doing the tobacco sales for us and he's my adopted Italian stepson, which he would jokingly refer to me as that, <laughs> that automatically gave me a ton of credentials amongst the pipe clubs and amongst the retailers so that was the real yeah, launching point uh pipe they're, collection they're, wise i just followed what everybody else wanted and learned and listened and i listened to you old guys and you were old back then and that was 20 years ago
1: <laughs> yeah well you know it's funny but I, I will say this and then uh you know one thing about the, that i really like for the most part i mean there's always some guys you don't like but for 99 of them they the pipe, the pipe community is a, is a is a very nice community. Yeah, you know people people. I don't know they're friendlier. You know you smoke a pipe, I smoke a pipe. We have something in common whether whether I'm smoking a, a two thousand dollar whatever or a ten dollar pipe. We have something in common, and uh, we can relax and enjoy. And that, and so many people, so many people look out for each other uh, in the community. Yeah. I know I've been luckier than heck. My whole life, because people have come to me with stuff that I would have never known about, or given me first shot at things that I would have never had a, a you know a chance of getting if they went on the open market or whatever it is. And it's just something that's it's very pleasant. I mean, I myself always try to uh, orient. Like if I see something great, which I just encountered uh, a collection, I, you know, I had enough money to buy a few things that I wanted in. And then I said to my friend, I called my friend. I said, "Look, this is available. Why don't you contact this guy rather than sort of keep it hidden?" No, no, you want to spread the wealth. You want to spread the, the, the fun and the goodness. Yeah. Um, in all this time though, you've never mentioned how you got into pipes uh, from Japan. How did that happen? And I went. What is it?
0: I went to work for SmokingPipes.com. Um, and we were in, in 2009, when I went to work there, the, a big part of our business was the, uh, was the Japanese high grade pipes. Right. And at that point, my pipe collection, my pipe smoking collection, which does not include the Disney pipes was a lot of, uh, five, you know, a lot of six inch long Canadian lumberman, large Lovats rusticated and smooth. That was my shape straight, 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 straight. You could line them all up and they all look the same. Yep. Uh, and while I was working there, I got a chance to try a handful of pipes and buy some pipes at super prices because there was a, uh, there was an employee purchase discount as long as it made it past the two weeks on the website and to me, I became infatuated with the pipes of Smeo Sato because his pipes were um, not quite as outlandish as some of the other Japanese designs. You know, not so—they're not so over-designed or you know, Tokotomi and his snails and volcanoes and things that look like a telephone that you might pick up off of an old candlestick telephone. Um yeah I Sato is somebody that I think represents what a Japanese person would do with the Danish design style. Uh and then I I bought one. It was a, a Christmas present to myself at a time that was really kind of special. I had a really bad experience with the first bowl in it. Yeah. I, I thought this is really going to suck. <laughs> and i cleaned it i set it down and the next morning i got up in the morning and i said you know what let me try it with this tobacco and that i can still remember the taste of that bowl of tobacco that morning it was absolutely wonderful
1: uh yeah you know it's it's amazing brian how and i was just talking to another fellow about this uh how different pipes and different tobaccos mesh and yeah. that and that you know um uh, one guy who I'm sort of working with now mentoring trying to help him get get a few key pieces because he's into some big pipes now um, you know he said I, I said to him you know get get this particular brand I don't like it but you should try it. You shouldn't be prejudiced by what I like or don't like uh, And you know what I said but when you smoke it smoke a very very heavy very heavy mixture and he likes English tobaccos. And he did. He said, "Oh, that was a nice pipe. It smoothed the smoothed the real heavy mixture down." Yeah. He said, "I can't smooth that. He- I can't smoke that heavy mixture, say, in my Dunhills because it, it tastes terrible." So each pipe, you got to figure out what exactly works in each pipe. You know, people don't believe that when I tell them who have no idea about pipes. Okay, I said, "Yeah, you really got to sort of figure it out."
0: Yeah, I can. You know? I have three or four of Sato's red stained pipes. And I think Sato is one of two pipe makers that I've seen that I like the way they do red. Uh, the rest of the rest of the red stained pipes I've seen, I think either look too candyish or too toyish, mm-hmm. but his red stained pipes, for some reason, smoke my my summertime breakfast Virginia's, even sweeter than his other pipes do really yeah go figure that out just the red stained ones uh and then i i've got sato pipes in all different sizes and shapes i've got a small group one and a half all the way up to the biggest sato pipe ever made and i have proof of that because sato told me oh that's the biggest pipe i've ever made <laughs> and and i own it
1: I- uh, I saw that pipe. It's pretty nice. It's a very nice looking pipe. I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah. It's almost your size. You know. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the other thing that I like that Sato does is well, two things. On his smooths and on his sandblast, he uses on the sandblast. He uses a little bit of Arushi lacquer. And on his smooths, he uses anywhere between 25 to 40 layers of Arushi lacquer. So really? and arushi is a lacquer that is derivative from the sap of a poison ivy plant so it's very toxic to deal with and to work with he has to wear a double respirator system when he's when he's using it but once it dries it's almost bulletproof you really cannot stain it burn you really got to do something stupid to the pipe to burn through the arushi lacquer uh, really? I can smoke his pipe, get some rim char, and then I can wet my thumb, you know, with, yeah, I can just wet my thumb and wipe it right clean. So wow. and that process that he does with his pipes, it's one layer of lacquer and then you let it, and then it has to sit and dry at a certain temperature for 24 hours or 30 hours, depending on the humidity in the room. And then hmm. you go back and he does another layer. So it'll take him a month, month and a half just to do the lacquer finish to the pipes and everybody that tells me that lacquer is bad on the exterior of a pipe, I tell them bull hockey, it's the wrong kind of lacquer.
1: Yeah. You know, bone Nord told me that he used to use lacquer on his pipes. Yeah. So, you know, I have uh, pipes, uh, CNC, many bone Nords that they're just beautiful finishes, some. Guys now are using different kinds of oils, you know, whatever whatever works best. Hey, you know, I want to ask you something. So, you mm-hmm. talked about a little bit about the kind of tobacco that you smoke in this. You know, I know you have a favorite tobacco. Yep. In and in a lot of it. So, what kind of tobaccos do you like to, to smoke?
0: I am a Virginia Parique fanatic. I need the Parique. I think the Parique goes back to my. Um, uh, to my addiction to cigarettes, and I think the parique makes my uh, yeah, it satisfies me. I can I can smoke a bowl or two of a straight Virginia during the day on the, in the warm weather, but in the evening, you know, after a bowl or two, I need some parique. Uh, and I, you know, again, I got very lucky and <laughs> and discovered a McClellan that nobody else had discovered. And turns out that I ended up purchasing over the years, one quarter of the total production of that of that tin of tobacco. Wow. Um, and I've still got a few, um, but I substitute it with some other Virginia, yeah, you know, with some, with some straight Virginias and some, some Virginia periques. Uh, I do, I do make sure now that I at least smoke, uh, my my goal is to smoke two fifty gram tins a week, no more than that. Sometimes, hopefully, less. And it's one tin of that of my McClellan Acadian ribbon, and one tin of something else that's in my wheelhouse. Uh, those those something else's can include, uh, you know, some other McClellan Virginia Periques, which I, you know, consider different. Uh, Escudos fine. I really like the McBaron HH old dark fired because that's, you know, that's a completely different taste. And that's got enough kick to it that it keeps me happy.
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, but again, then I, you know, I can go two or three days without my McClellan, but then I start getting an urge for it and I get cranky.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean with having like a favorite. You know, it's funny, but in today's. High smoking world. I, I guess there's. Uh, I usually. I usually. If I was to like draw like a, a sort of a, a, a like a chart or something, I would have Perique on the bottom. Then I would have like a Burley. Then I'd have Virginia. Then I'd have Orientals, and then I'd have uh, a, a Latakia on the top. If you a visualize like a stack. Yeah. And it's funny, but but. Um, You know, a lot of people do not like, you know, in today's world, do not like Latakia as much as they used to. Um, But, you know, they like Perique. And it's funny because the Perique that I knew, the real Perique, when I was growing up, that was something that you had to be very careful with. (laughs) Because that, the real Perique, was exceptionally powerful. And I remember... Um, Fred Hanna was talking to somebody. Uh, Doctor Hanna was talking to somebody about how they had smoked real Perique and then smoked the bowl of it. And I said to him, "That's not possible. If that was real Perique, after about the third puff, you're out. You're out for the day." <laughs> yeah. You know? So now, now the Perique, is is it's it's much less powerful. You know, it's still Perique, but it's not the same as it was used to be. And I guess the same can be said for Latakia. I mean, either people like Latakia, and and sometimes they don't. So, like you're a Perique guy, I'm a Latakia guy, although I do smoke stuff with Perique in it. That that makes it quite interesting.
0: The only thing I like to do with Latakia blends is put them on my flower beds because they seem to keep the bugs away.
1: Oh, hey, now, hey, now. I know,
0: I know, I know, I'm vicious.
1: Be, Be polite but
0: i but i will say because my because my taste profile is very narrow it's either virginias or virginia with parique. that's a very narrow taste profile of what i really like to smoke uh, and the occasional burley in the in the hh old dark fired because it, it's so narrow i have different pipes from different pipe makers and different sizes different yeah, you know, I have multiple different pipes and each pipe makes the tobacco taste a little bit differently. So I get the variety there too.
1: Yeah. Which is, which is real nice to me. That's, that's what I do. I mean, I have, I have a, uh, it's rare for some reason for me, I'm the kind of guy I like to smoke a different pipe every day. Some people have their favorites. I don't, I, I mean, I have a lot of favorites, but I, I'm able to like say you know I, I'll smoke one of my, say big Costellos, and I don't want to smoke it again for another couple months. Man. I'm satisfied, and I'll smoke something else, a Dunhill. you say, wow, you smoked it every day. I'm satisfied. So you know you gotta you gotta work with what what you're uh, you know with what you're comfortable with, and you know you have a nice variety of different pipes and 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 different styles. And the thing is, you know, you have that range, that sort of more narrow range mm-hmm. of uh, to, of tobacco taste. Uh, but you know, there's it's enough to keep you satisfied, which is what to me is a critical thing, you know, with that, with with the pipe smoking because really, you know, pipe smoking to me. I remember I was talking to uh, the other week with uh, Brad Pullman, and um, you know, he says he likes. Pipe smoking, it puts him in a different zone. Yeah. Yeah, he says, I'm not a pipe collector. I mean, I made pipes. He said, every pipe I've ever purchased or bought or made or ever is for my own collection, I've kept. He's never sold anything. And he, But he just loves smoking a pipe because it really puts him in a different place. And I, And I feel the same way. So, you know, that's why when you're talking about the different tobaccos and the different pipes, and the satisfaction that you get, to me, it's terrific.
0: Yeah, I look forward to it. Sometimes the only reason I get up early in the morning is to get up and have my coffee with my pipe because I know the weather's nice outside and I look forward to
1: it. Yeah, that's terrific. You know, well, you you basically, uh, I don't know how much time we have left, but, um, you know, you've done, as you mentioned, you've worked in a lot of different places in the tobacco industry and, and really... Where it was able, you know, to get a, an inside knowledge into the the industry itself. Where, you know, I buy tobacco. I've never been in, inside a tobacco factory, seeing the stuff made. I've never talked, you know, I've never been a a rep or anything of that sort selling tobacco. How has that influenced your your thinking?
0: I know how the sausage is made so i don't fall for uh, yeah there there are certain things that i know that kind of jade me um there's uh you know i but it also gives me a lot of you know with the people that i've worked with in the past it gives me a lot of fond memories so yeah i think part of the reason why i really like the hh old dark fired is because I really liked hanging out and working with Perry Jensen. Uh, Yeah. I discovered a scudo while I was working for Peter Stokeby and we made a scudo in the same factory and it just brings me back to that, to that time. So, yeah, I've got a lot of memories uh, of the, of the people that I worked with and the experiences that I had and that, correlates when you pick up a pipe or pick up a tobacco that you know ties into a memory it it all triggers it
1: uh yeah it's yeah that that's very true that's very true i mean i have some pipes that i have that i've got from different folks over the years and um you know they're, 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 they'll stay with me forever in a day and when i smoke them sometimes you know i'll think about like uh, i have a, a friend of mine for. Oh, over 40 years he passed away a couple of years ago Sam Barnett he yeah. used to run the pipe shows with me and um he helped me get a bunch of different pipes that I would maybe not have gotten if it wasn't for him yeah and you know when I when I, when I smoke that pipe like I have a Sassini Magnum one of I have two of them the only two I ever made uh I I I think about him you know if it wasn't for him I never would have got him. yeah and so these are the kind of things that that's nice, nice to think about, in my opinion.
0: I started collecting and smoke, smoking and collecting sato pipes before I had I had met him just with a handshake, like five years before I started buying any of his pipes. but I didn't really know him. And then mm-hmm. in, uh, in 2016, after, after you know smoking his pipes for seven years at that point. And I think I had a dozen at that point. Then I got to meet Sato and I was so nervous about meeting Sato because I thought, well, what if I don't like him? What if he's just a mean, angry, little old guy and I can't stand him? What do I do with his pipes?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, you know, that old, you know, that old, uh, the old adage of, you know, don't meet your heroes. they they may disappoint you. Right. Um, well, turns out I was completely wrong. He was wonderful. So, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that that shortened, that, yeah, you know, that made me feel much better about about owning and collecting and smoking his pipes.
1: Yeah, that, that's good. You know, it's interesting because there's some. I mean, dealing with all kinds of different people in the industry. There's some people who are what I call, you know, I'm friends with, and they and they're nice people. But 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 it's a business relationship. I'm buying pipes from them or, or whatever. And they're selling to some guys they sell pipes to or whatever. And and it's a business relationship and you know it's nice. And then there there are times when over, over the course of years you begin to know somebody and you become great friends with them. So that's always that's always the best. But it's important to know exactly, you know, mean even if you didn't like them so much some people would just i know people they don't like it they get rid of the pipes where i i wouldn't go i'm not i'm not uh, that uh, i'm not built like that if i don't like some you know i just don't deal with them personally that's all
0: yeah well rich we've gone long so guess what fire away with the fast five final questions at me and you can Uh, you don't have to stick to mine if you don't want to you can deviate
1: no, but you basically, so, so I guess I will go with your five, the five favorite, uh, uh questions. Uh, uh, what, what is your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite pipe? So
0: every time I think about this, I think about, all right, if the, if the house was on fire, what's the, and I can only grab one pipe. Which one is it? Uh, it's a Disney world pipe. It's a Disney World pipe that was made in the Parker factory. Why do I know that? Because Mike Reshke, rest in peace, the great, probably the greatest collector of Parker pipes to ever exist, uh showed me that pipe on a shape chart and it's got Mickey drilled as the with the little white bars like they like they would have done during the time that the Dunhill factory that Dunhill owned them. So that's the one.
1: Wow. So, what's your favorite? I think I know what that is but, what's your favorite tobacco
0: um perique,
1: perique yeah
0: yeah I it's love per- I love it
1: do you have do you have a favorite do you have a favorite drink uh
0: yeah, well, I'm a coffee guy, and I like dark, strong coffees, just like my mm-hmm. women uh you know, my wife's I, not I, listening, I like, and she like never does yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so if you were when you relax, what do you like to? Do you like to read a book, watch a movie? I
0: wanna, I wanna sit in front of the TV and just completely zone out in front of a movie. I don't want to go to the theater anymore because there's too many other people in there. I just want to sit with my pipe and watch a movie.
1: Yep, you sound like my wife. She doesn't smoke a pipe though, but she does like this. She does like to watch it at home, and then. Uh, you have a favorite you've mentioned a whole bunch of memories so to speak yeah. but do you have a, a favorite memory that you haven't mentioned before
0: let me you know in all these years of doing this show you'd think and being on other podcasts and on youtube channels and stuff you'd think i'd run out of stuff um but you know i i think in the in the recent, my most favorite memories, and I'll use the plural because I'm going to take the chicken exit on this one. Uh, our our Saturday Zoom group has become a exceedingly important pipe smoking related memory. Uh, the hmm. the group of people, and this is, and for me, it's a it's, you know, for me, it's important to go on to the zoom group because i am no longer the uh i'm not the expert there and when i do you know when i've done some other interview things and stuff like that i'm the you know i'm the leading expert on my own opinion and that's fine i you know i pump that up all over the place uh but i'm one of the younger guys on the zoom group and i'm one of the least i'm one of the lesser experienced guys when you talk about people like you and fred Hanna and fred Janusik. i mean fred Janusik, i think smoked a pipe with sitting bull you know uh, <laughs> uh what is he he's in his early 80s uh fred, fred yeah
1: fred Janusik.
0: yeah you know so yeah, you, you you got guys like you know i'm surrounded by guys like that who have 40 50 60 years of pipe smoking experience and i can just sit back and listen and just absorb and yeah, just hear stuff that, you know, you go to a Chicago pipe show, you hear this for five minutes, you hear that for five minutes, you hear this for five minutes, back and forth, blah, 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 blah. No, instead you can hear Marty Pulvers tell stories on the zoom group that he, he couldn't tell that story at a Chicago pipe show because it would take up the entire weekend telling it in five minute increments. But, you know, you can hear that. Um, yeah, I've gotten to know a whole bunch of people a whole lot better that I normally wouldn't have known. Uh, you know, there was four of us that were at the Columbus show during the uh, and at Saturday at four o'clock. We all got on the Zoom together with all you guys that weren't at the show. So yeah, we had our own little uh, <clears throat> we had our own little elite group. So uh, yeah, that I mean that Saturday Zoom group. And it's limited in size because we want to keep it that way. But I am not one of the experts in there, and it's so nice to be able to still listen and learn and absorb.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny, Brian. I, you know, I know we're we're over time, and who knows, yeah, but how this will turn out. But I will say that I, I agree with you in many, many, many respects. Where you know the Zoom group is like getting together after a pipe show. After the show's done, you spend an hour or two with guys mm-hmm. in the room, or you go out and eat something, or whatever it is. But each week is like it, it's like going meeting with the guys after the pipe show. Yeah, and 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 to me, uh, it just I, you know it just it's it's just critical. I, I mean, I hope we continue with this. I'm I'm a, I'm in other Zooms. So uh, i with other with other guys who are also are very experienced, and I have a, one that less less. But I I can only be on so many. My wife gets <laughs> on my face if I'm on too many, uh, you know. But it, but it's it's to me it's it's just tremendous to be able to, you know, hear other folks talk to them. And some of it's pipe related, some of it isn't. But still, no matter what, you know, it's it just I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And with the Disney Store being closed now, I'll have a little bit more Saturday time. So yeah, yeah. Every, uh, every cloud has a silver lining. So, All right, Rich, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, you're going to talk about music. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal.
1: From the seller Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what
0: the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at c As a crew of folks who just love tobacco, it's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold.
2: This is Internet Radio.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with uh, the host of the show this week is uh, Rich Esserman. I'm just playing um, announcer, I guess. All right, Rich, music-wise, what would you pick out for us and why?
1: Um... I picked out a song that uh, "The Way You Look Tonight," and it's this. This version is by Tony Bennett, and I think the piano player, his name is Bill Charlotte, who is a really great piano player. I, I love jazz, and uh, I've listened to jazz my whole life. My father was really into music, and so I, I picked up from him. My mother also loved music, and uh, this particular song is just very sentimental. And uh, Tony Bennett does a great job, and Bill Charlotte does a little unique sound with the piano, which really just, I love listening to it. I could listen to this song for forever and a day, and, it, and as a, I hope everybody enjoys it.
0: So here is Tony Bennett and The Way You Look Tonight.
2: I'm awfully low. When the world is cold, I will feel a glow just thinking of you and the way you look tonight. With each word your tenderness grows Tearing my fears apart And that laugh that wrinkles your nose Touches my foolish heart each word your tenderness grows Tearing my fears apart And that laugh that wrinkles your nose Touches my foolish heart Just the way you look tonight.
0: You know, Rich, every time I think of Tony Bennett, I think of I left my heart in San Francisco, but that's only because I was born there. So uh, are you ready for your mailbag?
1: Do I do a mailbag? What's a mailbag for me?
2: Check your mailbox, you moron!
0: And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email me directly, Brian. That's me, the the normal host, at uh, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Don't email Rich because he's so old, he'll send you back a stone tablet engraved letter. <laughs> but... All right, Rich, for the mailbag, since I'm traveling right now and there is no new mail, I thought maybe you would tell us, you know, maybe some of your favorite articles from past ephemerae or ephemeral. What's the plural of ephemerises? Um, anyway, yeah, you've, yeah, just, just some of your favorite articles or past pipe collectors.
1: Well, you know, I always say, you know, from, uh, Many years ago, i I had no idea about what we, what it was called the pipe Smokers ephemeris. And um, a friend of mine told me about it. I read it. the The one thing that i'll, I'll never forget which got me so excited was a little thing that Fred Genus wrote. you know, Tom Dunn basically would give you maybe three, or four paragraphs if you were one of the the heavy duty writers, he would give you like a half a page or a page and a half or something like that. And uh, Fred Janusik wrote about what he was doing, and he wrote about this thing that happened in Iowan Ree's store back in 1978 where they had a whole bunch, this doctor who was going to open up a pipe store and had been saving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Dunhill's unsmoked pipes passed away suddenly. Uh. And um, I remember reading that, and I just, it blew my mind. It blew my mind, so I I immediately wrote to Fred, and then uh, Fred, um, you know, wrote me back, and we had great, great, in those days, you you didn't telephone, because if you did, it was very expensive, so you did it only when you needed to, and so we wrote a lot of letters back, but in general, you know, there's been a tremendous, there was a tremendous amount of information exchanged um, in the ephemeris in terms of knowledge. I just, You know, rather than talk about a specific thing other than that one, you know, I've always been interested in, in imparting knowledge about different blends, different pipes, you know, what happens at the shows. I do my pipe collector news and views, uh, which I've been doing now for almost uh, for 16 years or 15 years. And, you know, I, I like to what I like to do is I like to disseminate information. Because, well, this won't be a rant necessarily. But one of the things that has always bothered me is when people talk and they have no knowledge of what they're talking about. <laughs> and I've, I've seen this so many times where threads will be, you know, you know, Latakia will fade after, you know, five years or whatever it is. And I, I want to write to them and say, how many actual aged tins of tobacco have you actually smoked? <laughs> One, maybe, maybe none. Or I'll be reading about a, a a description of a pipe, like a pipe came up on eBay the other day as 1960 Sheraton Supreme, whatever it is. I looked at it, it had an X. I looked at it and I said, hmm, this is a 1980s piece. The X means that it was cut out at the end of Sheraton's uh, reign from Dunhill. And it was probably a sixty-dollar pipe at the time, for that reason. But you see, I, I like to say, look, I don't. I hate telling people what to do. I really don't like doing that. But I like to give people a lot of information that they can make the best possible choices that they want to make. So these are the kind of things that I like to read about. I, I love reading about what people are doing. I love reading about different thoughts about pipes and tobacco different tobacco reviews, I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I like to know what's happening and what's out there. And I think that that's an important thing. Not everybody spends as much time probably as I do looking at pipes and tobacco uh, related items. But, you know, I think it's important if you go to like Pipepedia, if you want to look up something, take a few minutes to take a look, to read about stuff, to really begin to educate yourself and to go back, if there's any kind of uh, articles or whatever it is that you think are important, sometimes, like I said, they fall into the the pipe-edia. You can yep. learn a lot if you're interested in Dunhill. You can learn a lot about pipes from that. You can learn about you go back and I hope people, if they get an opportunity, if they haven't read Pipes and Tobacco Magazine, the old Pipes and Tobacco Magazine, there was a bunch of not so fluff stuff, and there's a bunch of really good articles. Yeah. And you learn about what the pipe maker's doing, how pipe makers think, what's happening in the tobacco world and so on. And you can even learn about Disney pipes on uh, every now and then.
0: Yeah, but don't try to buy any. So
1: All no, right. don't buy any, whatever it is. Give them to Brian, just send him, he'll accept anything you send him. But but seriously, you know, just continue to to read and do research and think about stuff.
0: And you can you know, help. You can pick up old copies of the ephemeris and Pipes and Tobacco's magazine and all those on. Sometimes you'll find them on eBay and stuff. Rich, let's take a break right here and we'll call an audible on the rant because I got an idea. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Mearsham corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869, it's the coolest,
1: smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com.
0: this week instead of a rant i'm calling an audible because i just looked at the date that this show is going out on and it's the end of our ninth year beginning our 10th year of doing the podcast and having somebody like rich esserman on the show and as a friend of mine is a perfect example of why i love this hobby and i love the people that are in it all except for the five of you that i don't want to sit at a table with but because of listeners like you and having the accessibility to guests like rich and yeah you know, this show has just been going on and on and every week it's a great honor to be able to sit down in front of this microphone put together a show uh some of them like you said earlier rich some of the shows are harder hitting others are a little more fluffy but uh, you know what each week i hope that it brings a little bit of light a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of camaraderie into you and uh, you know 470 plus weeks in a row I've been able to sit here and do that and so for that I'm thankful not rantful rich uh, thank you for coming on and, and doing this and you you thought I wouldn't take you up on your offer of, of you interviewing me huh
1: yeah that that's true and I want to I want to thank thank you for letting me do this because that's why I like to hear, I like to hear what people are doing, such, such as yourself, which you're on the other side of the microphone, and, and you know, people know you, if they've listened to the show for years, they get a sense of, you know, what you're doing, and, and how you're doing it, and so on and so forth, but, but you're right, there's so many good people in the hobby. That's yeah. one of the things that I really like, I mean, I've unfortunately over the years lost many great friends, people that were like family to me. But I've also found other people. You know, no one can take the place of a great friend. But you develop other friends, yeah, who are really who are really supportive, really into what you're doing. What in, and you become interested in what they're doing, and what it does is it creates like a family-like atmosphere, where you just, you know, I get it like as like you say the Zoom calls, or I email people, or I talk to a few people on the phone. I mean, I've had conversations with people. You know, every other week for two hours. My wife says, "What mm-hmm. the heck are you talking about?" I and don't we're know. Just talking about <laughs> pipes and tobacco and other stuff, and yeah. and it just time goes and it's pleasant. Like this year, we could have probably gone on for another hour and not even thought about it. Yeah, but it just it's it's a wonderful thing, and I'm really I'm really glad to be part of this community. I'm glad that I can can contribute, still contribute to this community. And I'm glad. I'm also glad that I can hear about what others are doing. It enhances my life. When someone has a win, or someone if something good happens to a friend or other folks that I know, and and something great happens pipe-related or they got some terrific tobacco, it enhances my life. So I want to thank you again, Brian, for letting me do this and for me letting letting me be able to talk to you, so people really can better understand what you're doing, and how much you enjoy the hobby.
0: I'd like to understand what I'm doing, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'll leave you all with this. It is better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all, and with this hobby I have loved a lot, and with this show I've gotten to love a whole lot more of you, so thank you very much to uh doctor of pipes governor of the doctor of pipes rich esserman for coming on with me i guess thank me for doing this and putting up with you rich but uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah until next time
1: Bomba
2: Bomba 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 my ass I bet he's talking about something else